Today we're jumping into our second part of our Life, Money, Hope series that we're really exploring um, what God says about money and that as soon as we start talking about money, um, people either grab their wallets or they start immediately wanting to go somewhere else because as soon as we start thinking about money, we think that there's, um, there's like this emotion tied to money. Um, for some of us, it's like frustration, um, sometimes depression, um, sometimes it's shame, because I don't even want to tell people how much I owe, right? Um, there's a lot of these emotions, like stress and anxiety, that we have in relation to money, and there's, it's just a big load. Um, and and I, what my goal and my heart is over these next kind of three more weeks, including today, um, is that that emotion would no longer be a tied to stress into depression or anxiety or shame, but that, that emotion tied to that would be hope. That we know as whatever kind of situation we found ourselves in financially, that God desires freedom, and in that freedom there is great hope. There is great hope uh, in the area of our finances, and so uh, we're going to continue to unpack that. And today we're going to talk about debt. Everybody say, ooh. And then we're going to talk about debt. But what's beautiful about this conversation today is that it's so, so biblical, right? Isn't that good to come to church and get a nice biblical uh, conversation? Um, We as a country, we're in a lot of debt. Did you guys know that? Did you guys know we're in debt? And debt is, as much as it's an individual thing, like we have debt individually, as a nation, we're pretty deep in debt. I don't know if you guys know that, but we're like 19 trillion dollars in debt. We're super in debt. In fact, every second, we are $17,000 deeper in debt. We're paying $17,000 as a country in interest. That's not you and me. That's the country. That's like USA Department of Revenue. $17,000 every second. That's like millions and millions of dollars every year. Billions and billions of dollars, whatever it is. Just an interest. And so we have this cultural phenomenon of debt. You and I, individually, we have a, an average of $16,000 in consumer like credit card debt. We have an average of $48,000 in student loan debt, $21,000 in car loans, and $165,000 in mortgages. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money that we are in debt. But the, you know what? The Japanese... Are, are, are not as much in debt. In fact, they, they save a lot of money. They save, they save 18% a year. Like, that's a lot. Like, you'll, you'll think about that, and you'll look at your budget, like, man, that's a lot of money a year. Guess how much we as Americans save per year? Negative 2.2%. We're going the wrong way. They're going 18% in forward. We're going negative 2.2. That's how much we're saving, a.k.a. we're not saving. We're losing Every year. And if you look up the statistics and the data on our our mental health, in comparison to our debt, it's like direct correlation. Uh, Most marriages, or not most marriages, but the high percentage of marriages that that fail have some kind of thread that it was because of finances. There was some kind of turmoil. There was some kind of not on the same page as far as money. We got ourselves in stress as far as debt is concerned. Depression, very much linked to financial struggle. And before we, we jump into all that, I want to look at a scripture in Philippians chapter 3, verses 18 through 20. I think that points to 
this cultural phenomenon that we have experienced and that actually we're a part of. Philippians 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 18. For as I've often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Remember that word shame there. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a couple things within that. Go back to that verse that I want to highlight to us. It's that their God is their stomach, right? Last week I, I shared that many times when we you know, put stuff on credit cards and two-thirds of us don't pay our credit cards off every month, only one-third of us actually pay off our credit cards. Right? It's one thing to use it as points. It's another thing to kind of have the adult scenario that most of us have. Um, and we're like, I want it, and I want it now, and I'm getting it with the credit card, right? And that's how we do it. Two-thirds of us don't pay those off, and so we're negative 2.2, right? We're, we're working our way in that. But the truth of the matter is that's kind of saying, like, our, our God is our stomach, right? That, that I want it now. And we kind of find ourselves in the same place. Paul's sharing this. He's like, I'm telling you this with tears. Like, don't be like an enemy of the cross of Christ, but, like, move forward because our citizenship, citizenship is in heaven, that we, we begin to think differently than everyone else, right? I want to take this way further back. Um, and you can just clear that for just a second. And go all the way back to the beginning of creation. You guys remember that picture in the garden? And we find Adam and Eve, and they felt no shame. Remember that? They were naked, and they felt no shame. That, that in that time when everything was perfect, right, and there was this incredible freedom. And God said, take, eat, anything you want, enjoy. I want you to be free. He said, but, right, don't eat this one thing. And then what happened? The serpent came in, got in the ear, and they said, I want it, right? I want it. And they took that one thing that God had set aside that said, we're anything, freedom, no shame. And then what happened after we said, I want it? Shame. Doesn't it sound a lot like that passage right there? Doesn't it sound a lot like what we go through in this kind of economical kind of pressure, cultural kind of phenomenon that we experience? It's the same thing. And so what I want to hammer before we begin to, to move in, into the rest of the message today is that it's always been about freedom. Like God, why does God want you out of debt? Because he wants you free. He, and he doesn't want you to carry shame. And many times when we think of like salvation and we think of like healing, we, we think of like this outer space kind of like super spiritual thing. But it's in the practical he wants you free too. Because it's just the, pra- like he, he wants you free so that, that that truly can exist. It's not just so you can kind of be debt free and like post it on Facebook and everybody's really proud of you. Or just so you can start to give more. Or you can say, it's not just that. It's so that you can experience joy that you can experience peace, truly experience it. Not like I'm trying to experience it really hard, but like I'm stressed out of my mind because of what? Because of money. Because all these other things that we're going through and we're dealing with emotionally, and many of them do, they point back to money. And so I want you to know that it's all about freedom. And what happened in when they took that apple and said, I want it, uh, we can have it, and they crossed that line, right? A debt we could not pay. We could never work our way back, but Jesus, God made a way, made a way for us, and we're going to continue to talk about that today as we kind of move forward 
So this is good news. This is good news. I know that's heavy so far, but we need to get to the reality of our situation because many times what we do with our finances in areas we're struggling with and we have bad emotions towards, we lift up the rug and we sweep it under there, right? Don't we do it? It's just easier. Like, I know I got to deal with it. I just don't want to deal with it now. And you know what happens tomorrow? I don't want to deal with it now either. (laughs) And we just never deal, we never look it in the eye and deal with it and realize that we're having real anxiety and real maybe shame kind of dealing with this and that God wants us free from that. And so we're going to move into some real like positive steps that we can really take to get free. As you remember last week, we looked at Proverbs 22, 7, and that said that the the borrower is slave to the lender. Remember that? Slave to the lender. So really today, I want to talk about breaking the bondage of debt, breaking that bondage and getting free from it. Um, Well, let me throw you out one more statistic that blew my mind more than all the other ones. Do you know how much we actually pay in interest individually, okay? Many times you're talking about, I don't have money to save, I don't have money to tie, I don't have money to do this, I don't have money to do that. If we just begin to look at how much we're paying just in interest, you can get an incredible raise very soon if you'll work for it, right? If I told you you could get a 10 to 15% raise, right? And all you gotta do is just be disciplined and work hard for it and stick to a plan, would anybody take that 10 to 15% raise? Well, we can because we're paying that in interest every single year. If we'll get free, we'll get a 10 to 15% bonus, a raise when we get free from that interest because we're paying that in credit cards. We're paying that in student loans. We're paying that in mortgages. We're paying that in cars. We are. It's there. I mean, because it's 4% here, 4% here, 25% on my credit card, like whatever it is, it's super high. And we can get free from that, and we're going to get a huge bonus. Anybody ready to get a huge bonus? I'd like to get a 10 to 15% raise. Sounds good. All right, so let's dive in. You've got a, like a little like worksheet, I guess. Uh, and if you want to turn to the side that says breaking the bondage of debt, we're going to begin to unpack this. And there's pins in the back of the seat if you want to keep up with it. Um, there's two things that I really want to kind of begin to unpack for us and how bondage is really broken, how, how it's broken. First is gazelle intensity. Gazelle intensity. Look at what this scripture says in Proverbs 6.5. Free yourself like a gazelle, like from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. Free yourself. Like we have the ability, like no one's put us in this. We signed off for the credit card. We signed off. We put ourselves in this. Free yourself. We had an amazing experience um, last January. I, myself and a few folks here from the church went to Kenya, Africa and got to experience a safari. It was incredible in the Masai Mara Reserve. It was incredible. We got to see a giraffe take their first steps on earth. It was mind-blowing. Like this baby was just born. Like something that safari like trek guides they don't see in like 10 to 15 years. The guy that was driving us around is like, I've been doing this for 15 years. Every single day going out, I've never seen that. And we had that experience. Other thing that was amazing, it was like National Geographic. We're on the back of this like safari truck. And we pull up and we see a cheetah hunting a gazelle. Kid you not. A cheetah hunting in a gazelle. And he's just stalking it. We sat there. It was like super quiet. There's like safari cars everywhere. And we're just watching. We're just watching this cheetah just like prowling, ready to attack this kind of like five or ten gazelles that are just over in this pack. And he's just waiting. And he's just waiting. 
Look at the scripture. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter. I know what you're thinking. Come on, man. What happened? Did you see it get eaten alive? That gazelle got free. In fact, all of them got free. And the truth of the matter is when we really begin to look at it, we have an enemy of our soul that seeks to kill, to steal, to steal and to destroy. And however that can happen, if it's bringing depression through shame and anxiety from our finances, the enemy will take advantage of that. It doesn't matter. He'll find all the loopholes. He'll find every little nook or cranny to kind of tear us down and kill and steal and destroy. That's what the scriptures tell us. Free yourself like a gazelle. Those gazelles took off. They were gone. They are not waiting around to see what his motives are. They're gone. They know it. I wonder what would begin to happen in us if we got gazelle intense about the debt in our life. I'll tell you, we've been married almost 10 years, and we've, um, we haven't always been um, gazelle intense. We've always been good and disciplined and never got ourselves super in deep, but we've only gotten intense in the past couple of years, right? Because we were, honestly, we were at some really thin times financially to jump and make this leap to, to start the church. We were really thin. So we couldn't afford it, so it's easy to not borrow it when you can't afford it um, most of the time. But we had to get intense about it, and we began to pay those off. And like this year, hoping to pay off another one. And so I come at this today from like a humble place, saying, I don't, I'm not there yet. I want to be. And like, come, come with me. Like, let's get free together. Let's do this. What would it look like in our own lives if we started to get gazelle intense about the debt in our life? Gazelle intense and just go after it and go after it. Those gazelles were gone. It was a really amazing experience. One of the quotes that Dave Ramsey says is, you can wander yourself into debt, but you can't wander yourself out. You can wander into debt, but you can't wander out of it. That means you've got to have a plan, and you've got to really work that plan. You've got to stick to it and be intense about it. Right? You got to be willing for people to say weird things about you. I remember this kid um, that was in our college group, and we were in Georgia. Um, and I won't share his name, but uh, not that you know him. Uh, but we'd go out to eat uh, after church on a Sunday night or a Sunday uh, for lunch or Wednesday when we had our, our young adult gatherings. And everyone else would be, you know, buying their meal at Zaxby's or something. And he wouldn't. He wouldn't ever buy anything. But he'd wait, and everybody else would be, you know, shoveling out seven, eight, ten dollars, whatever it is to eat. And he'd just wait. And then there was all these leftovers on the table. And he'd eat more than anybody ate at the table. And most of the, everybody just knew it was his personality, but he was dead serious. I'm not going to spend the money. He's like, I don't care what you think about me. I don't care what you say about me. He said, I'm not going to spend the money. He was intense about it, right? And we could be like, come on, man, you're a freeloader, you know? But he was intense about it. He was intense about it. And maybe we need to be intense about it, too. Second thing that I want to unpack today is, is debt snowball. In fact, there's a form on the back. Let me tell you something. This week, before I explain this, I put out on Facebook, and I asked my Facebook friends, some of you probably saw this, and I got responses pri- uh, privately and publicly, and I asked them three questions uh, regarding debt. I said, hey, what was your inspiration for wanting to get free of debt? Secondly, I asked them, what had to change in your mind? What had to change mentally for you to really make this step you know, from kind of the same old habits to a, a debt-free um, existence. And the third thing, so inspiration, what changed mentally. And the third thing was, how did you do it? Every single, one, every single one of the responses I got said debt snowball. Every single one of them. I don't think that's an accident because I was going to bring that up this week anyway. 
Debt snowball is basically this. It's where you take your smallest debts and you knock them out. You pay the minimum on everything. And so if you flip over your page, you'll actually see a form that you can do this. Um, If you've got $200 on your credit card, go ahead and put it up at the top. What's the minimum payment on that? And then what's the the total payoff? Isn't that what it says um, there? Oh, yeah, and your new payment and the total payroll. So you go through that and you begin to list every single one of them. And from the smallest to the largest, regardless of interest rate, you just begin to take them out. And you get gazelle intense about taking that one out. And then everything else you pay the minimums on. So you're not throwing extra at the mortgage, which is something that we've always wanted to do. We want to throw extra at the mortgage. We want to be out of that as soon as we can. We don't do that. You start taking everything else out. Take the little ones out, right? Take the credit card one out that's like 25% interest or 12 or 13% interest. And that adds up when we're only two-thirds of us or only one-third of us are actually paying it off. It's getting larger every month then, Right? And so we have to kind of begin to build these things. And so it just stacks. And so when you're paying the minimum on everything, you can throw more towards that. Any extra, you get a birthday money from your grandma, throw it at that. Why not? You, you do a little side job for somebody, throw it at that. Why not? You get gazelle intense about it and it starts snowballing. And you're able to put more and more to it because you're out of debt. But you've got to stick with the plan of being debt free. I want to share with you some of the things they said about their inspiration because I felt like there was a lot of wisdom and a lot of experience here for those of you that, that want to walk with me on this journey to get free financially. Uh, this couple, young couple, been married like two years, said, I come from a very poor household. My wife comes from a home that made six figures a year but lost it all due to recession and debt. We just never want that to happen to us. The inspiration is wanting to have more with less, more life, more fun, not be tied to limits of debt and payments. Uh, that was his inspiration. Here's a, a, a married uh, guy that's been married over 10 years, got kids in middle and elementary. He said, what were, was our inspiration? Our kids. Our kids were costing us so much money, and we're just scratching by because we've got so much money going out to that, plus the interest. If we can get rid of that, then maybe we'll have some breathing room. So that was his, that was his inspiration. Another guy, well in his 50s, on his way to retirement, he said, realize that I could retire in debt up to my elbows if I didn't change my spending habits. Another guy said, I'd rather go um, bankrupt doing something with purpose than settling for a job just because of the money. That one's a little bit deeper. Um, but there was inspiration behind making these life decisions. I asked them, you know, what had to change mentally for you? There's some really good stuff in here. We just had to change mentally that we don't need to keep up with the Joneses. Um, we don't need the 3,000 square foot home. We don't need luxury vehicles. And that's not to say you can't have a 3,000 square foot home. If you want to have one, you can afford it. But that's to say, that's what he said. Uh, is it okay? Um, he said, this is what he said as far as the changing mentally. It's okay to say no now so that we can say yes later for delayed gratification. That's tough. Remember that? Delayed gratification. That's a good one. Um, the second one, he, this guy said, I'm never, I've never really been an impulse buyer. But what changed for me mentally, I just started thinking about my purchases more. I I began to ask myself these questions. How can I use this? How often will I use this? Will this last? Will my family benefit from this? I thought those were good questions to begin to ask yourself. Of like, how do I get into this place and really begin to, to attack this? Another guy, mentally, he said, I put every purchase into three buckets. I had my recurring buildings and wants and needs. I just had to cut out the distractions. Just focus on my needs just focus on my reoccurring bills that were there and begin to hammer it out. I asked every single one of them, how did you do it? All of them said, debt snowball. 
There's a, it kind of walks you through it there on there, uh, on the, that back side of that page. So I, I dare you to go home and begin to look at that and begin to unpack what that would look like in your life. If you want to be free, if you want that 10 to 15% bonus for hard work and, and discipline and diligence to pay it off, um, then it's possible. It's possible. Here's people. There, that was a single guy. That was a guy well close to retirement. That was a, a young family, and that was a young couple. There's people all over the spectrum can do this. So when you say, well, not me because of this, because that, it can be done, but with gazelle intensity and maybe the debt snowball. Um, let, me, let me give you some real steps, some real steps, some tangible steps on really how to make this happen. You guys ready? Take, let's take these five steps. I'll move quickly, and I'll make it, make it brief today. Steps out of death. First, you've got to save money. You've got to save more money. I, I think I shared this last week, um, but that well over half of us don't have $1,000 saved back. And while we may not connect savings to debt, they're actually deeply connected um, and intimately connected. <clears throat> if you can just go ahead and, and somehow, if it takes you one week, if it takes you one year, if it takes you 10 years, I don't care. Get $1,000 saved back as fast as you can. So when the tires break, it doesn't have to go on the credit card. Do tires break? They blow or whatever. When the dishwasher blows up or when the laundry machine explodes to the sky, it doesn't have to go on the credit card or some store card. It doesn't have to go there. You've got the $1,000 you've put back, and then what do you do? You start putting that back, right? And that's for those just crazy expenses. But we've got to be serious about saving that because that's the things that come from. And every, every single one of us, there's a large, probably 85% of us in the next 10 years will have something major happen. By major, I mean someone will need surgery in your family. Uh, your transmission will blow up. Something major that's not going to be four or $500, but something that's going to be three, four, five, ten thousand $10,000, something major that's going to happen in the next 10 years in about 85% of our lives. And if you're not ready for it, what's going to happen? It's going to sink the ship that you've just been riding on and not really focused on what's really going on, what's making this ship go. Is everybody with me on this? So putting money aside is actually a very practical way to stay out of debt because we find ourselves going right to that place. Look at what it says. We looked at, at um, Proverbs 6, 5. Look what the next few verses say right after that. Go to the ant, you sluggard. I love how straightforward the scriptures are. You sluggard? Um, that's a little redneck in there too. Uh, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. I remember as a kid, um, my, my brother always wanted, he was always like, I want this, Dad. Why can't you do this? He, he actually kind of grew up around like really like wealthy friends. Like his friends had a lot of money and, you know, we we're just kind of middle class family and, and didn't, couldn't keep up with them. And my dad didn't try. But my dad, my, my son, or my son, my brother was always like, Dad, I know you have the money. Give me the money for this. And he's like, no, I'm not giving you money for it. He said, I don't have it. Now, granted, did my dad have it? Yeah, but he was being disciplined to put it back. No one was telling him to do that. And I think in the same way in, in our lives, no one's going to tell you to. Right? I think in other countries, and it may actually be the Japanese, they actually mandate you have to save this for retirement. You have to put this money back. They just take it out just like taxes, and, and it's put aside. It's supposed to be what our Social Security is, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> which is broke. Like, there's nothing in Social Security. I actually had a CPA come up to me after. He's like, you know how much is left in Social Security right now? I'm like, no. He's like, nothing. There hasn't been anything there for four years. We've been borrowing from other people just to pay 
what we've been paying them. So that's a whole other story. We're not getting political today, Pastor. Come on. Um, there's no overseer, no ruler, but he stores its provisions. He's setting back for the summer and gathers food at, at harvest. So can we learn something from an ant today, right? If someone says, hey, did you learn anything at church? Well, I learned something from an ant to put a little bit back, put a little bit back so when something happens, I'm, I'm ready for it. When that season comes where something breaks, I'm ready for it. Let's move on to the second thing, the second step out. Got to quit borrowing more money, right? That's not going to get us out of debt. If we keep borrowing more, we've got to make a plan to do it. And again, I, I find myself in a humble position because there's things that we're doing right now. We're doing a renovation, man. We we're, we're had to borrow some money back, and we have plans to pay it through, and not everybody could, could do that, maybe because of discipline things, but we've been really disciplined to put it back. And so we can talk about this. Hey, pastor, is it, is it sinful to like have debt? Because I'm kind of feeling like some shame. I feel like, man, I, I, I'm really in a row. I, I'd say biblically it's not sinful to have debt. But one of the things Dave Ramsey says, but it is stupid, <laughs> right? We can give ourselves a 10 to 15% raise by getting out of debt. And so we want to be aggressive about it. And the big thing is, I think, come up with a plan and stick with it. I was actually consulting some people because we were doing some things with, with our remodeling project at the house. And I said, hey, like, how should I go about this? He said, well, if I found you to be a person that wasn't disciplined, that would pay it off and you'd have this forever, he said, then I wouldn't advise it. He said, but, you know, knowing you and knowing your history, you'll knock it out and you'll be gazelle intense and it'll be done in two years. Like, that'll just be how you do it because uh, you'll come up with a plan and you'll stick with it. And so you have to know, are you in the two-thirds of credit card people that don't ever pay it off if it's there? And so, and if that's you, I, I'd say take the credit card, fill like a, a Ziploc baggie with water and then put it in the freezer, right? And so by the time you get home, you're like, dang it, I really want this TV, but I'm going to run home, and then I need my credit card. Like, come on, thaw, 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 you're putting the hot water, and by then you're like, this is so stupid. I need to stick with my plan. At least by the time you have that time to, to get through there, whatever it is, um, like that guy said, he said, I need to put these things as wants and as needs. And it just depends. How intense do you want to be? How intense do you, do you want to be? Do you really want to get away and be free? So we've got to quit borrowing more money. Third thing, prayer. Prayer really works. Um, while I'm kind of throwing out all these practical things, biblical things, but very practical things, I want to stop and tell you that God loves you so much. Like he, he loves you and cares for you more than what any preacher will ever be able to communicate. What any other human will ever be able to love you he loves you infinitely more than that. And from the beginning of time to the end of time, he's made a way for, for your freedom. And he loves you. He really does. And um, he wants you to be free. And like if he cares about birds like having their, their fill and having food for their stomach, and if the flowers of the field can receive rain in dry season, then we too, like he cares for us. And he's not going to leave us nor forsake us. Scripture says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. His children begging for bread. He loves you. And if you stick with a plan and put it into place, and I'm not saying just keep doing the opposite of what he tells us to do and say, God, I wish you'd bless me. Right? But really just sticking with the plan and doing our best to be a good steward with what he's given us. 
know that even without you praying like that, there's blessing that, that's coming because he loves you. Like, he loves to give good gifts to his children. That's what the scripture says. We have not because we ask not. If you begin to circle this, you get gazelle intense, and you just pray, God, just help us. Help me with discipline. Help me be quick to like not just indulge. Help me to really stay focused and stick with the plan. Help me, God. God's going to hear that prayer. He loves you. He loves you. And many times we can take that theology to mean like a whole lot of other things. But when we're like walking and being faithful, like it just comes with the territory. He loves you. You're his child, right? And if our earthly fathers can give good gifts, how much more can God bless those who love him? And so walk in that, walk in that faith and confidence that prayer really works. It's not just this thing we talk about and we kind of roll the dice with, um, but it really, really works. I'm going to share a story in just a couple minutes of how, how much it works. Um, fourthly, sell something. Um, as we were, I know that sounds crazy, right? Five steps, I'd sell something. I was actually talking to someone in this building probably six, eight weeks ago, just after I met this person. And they were saying, man, I'm in some really tight straps. And you know what I'm doing, man? I'm just selling stuff. I'm selling stuff so I don't get in trouble. I had this gift man, that someone gave me, and I did not want to take it to the pawn shop and sell it. He said, but I didn't want to get myself further down the road, and I sold it. I had to let go of it. Come on, like, this guy was practicing it already before the message came a couple months ago. He was like, hey, I'm not going to get myself into that scenario, but most of us, all right, don't point to your spouse. Don't point to anybody around you, but some of us are hoarders. Like, we're hoarders. Like, we just keep putting back, and we never get rid of it. Does anybody want to confess I'm a hoarder? I didn't think so. I didn't think so. Um, we can be hoarders sometimes, and we just keep getting more and more and more. I don't know what just happened, but um, we can sell something. I went through, uh, we, we did a yard sale a few weeks back. I think I shared this. And um, we just want to clean some stuff out. I mean, we have the old, a real old house. Like, the closets are literally yay big. I'm not kidding. Yay deep. So, even if we wanted to be hoarders, we just don't have space for it. There's no room in our closet. And it's been really great for us. We've actually fallen in love with our tiny little closets because we can't keep junk. We can't keep t-shirts we haven't worn in five years. We can't keep extra furniture that, you know, we'd like to keep around. We just don't have space for it. So we have to sell something. We went through our house and did a yard sale and made a couple hundred bucks off of just stuff that we hadn't seen or looked at in a couple years, you know, at least. And so you can sell something. What if there's some things in your house, man, Hey, we've had this for a little while. It's probably worth a hundred bucks, man. We could, we could get a little bit closer to paying off that student loan debt if we just sold some stuff. Just an idea. Fifth, last one, band can come um, and begin to play. Take a part-time job, right? That's always a possibility. Like, Pastor, that sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> it's the worst step of all. How intense do you want to be? How quick you want to be free? When I first moved here, um, we were living on savings um, and just a, a kind of small stipends from what we were able to receive from the church. We were putting everything into making this happen. And honestly, it was scary. It was a scary time. So much so, my wife, she wouldn't tell you this probably. I don't know, maybe she would now, but she cried every single day for months on end, every single day. Some of y'all feel like you're hormonal and you do the same thing. 
That's what we felt like. That's the kind of stress we were dealing with financially when we first moved here. And so we started figuring out all kinds of things. Can I do that? I don't know. Yeah. I actually had, um, so I started teaching music on the side. Luckily, that was uh, something that I, I've done and, and been able to do, um, but never done it as far as making money. So I began to do this, and I, I was working for, working as a contractor, basically, for a, a guy who owned a music school. And I teach piano, guitar, and voice. Those are the things I could teach. And um, I had the, the boss call me, and he said, hey, man, I've got this, got this young man, um, and he wants to learn drums, but I don't have a drum teacher. I don't have a drum teacher for him. Um, and this was like the old owner of the Jags. It was his grandson, so I get to go in like their mansion and do it. It was pretty cool. Um, and teach him at, at his house. He's like, can you teach him drums? I was like, well, I've never played drums, but I guess I could try. Um, I know it sounds crazy. Like sometimes taking a part-time job means doing stuff you've never done before and just figuring it out. And so I sat down at the drums that day. And I'm like, hey, you know what? I do know how to play drums. Somehow, like, I, I learned how to play drums. I was able to teach this, this young guy how to play. I know that's crazy. But it's like God just met me where I was at. And I was like, I don't know. I can try. And went with it. maybe there's a, a, a part-time job out there. Maybe just something hustling. And it's just to knock out that debt where we can get free and we can get free faster. What I love about this idea of getting free from debt is how much of the gospel is in this. From the very beginning in the garden where we said, I want it, and God had us free with no shame, and how much to the cross of Jesus is present in this, and that he still desires freedom for us no matter what we're going through, and he wants us to be free of shame and to truly walk in communion with him without all this anxiety and stress that we're going through. Um, this past weekend, as I've referenced several times, we're doing this home renovation project. We're moving a front door, and it just ends up costing a lot more money um, than what you think to move a front door, because then you got to have steps to get to the front door, and then you got to have a porch for it. And so um, we're in the thick of it, and we're hoping to wrap it up here in the next few days. And so we went away. Honestly, it was crazy. Someone told me um, after I started the renovation project, they said, uh, you know, I, I've heard that, you know, um, Renovation projects in your home brings the most stress on your marriage than anything you could ever possibly do. And um, I was like, huh, how about that? We have been a little bit snippy with each other lately. (laughs) And uh, how about that? We're just kind of right in the thick of it. And uh, just dealing with all the numbers and receipts and keeping up with budgets. And, you know, it's sort of like buying a house for some of you that have been through that. Except it's in your house and, like, all this craziness is going we still don't have a front door. Um, but we went away for a couple of days. Like, I was just inhaling so much dust. We needed to get out of town. So we went out of town for a couple of days. Um, and while we're away, I, I had this kind of thing hanging over our head. We've already scheduled for carpet to go into this room that's being affected by this. And it's coming Wednesday. And the problem is that I don't know how to do drywall work, like drywall and mud stuff. Don't know how to do it. I told Taryn, I'm like, I'll do it myself. Do you know how to do it? No. But I'll figure it out, right? So the closer I got to it, I'm like, I'm not going to do this. It's going to be terrible. I'll find somebody. So I started texting a few friends of mine that are in the business. I got one guy that said, hey, I think I know a guy who can do it and get the work for you. I'm like, great. I got to have it done Monday or Tuesday because I got carpet coming Wednesday. This is like Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday of this past week. And we go off and we're driving down the road Thursday and he's like Thursday afternoon. And he says, hey, I can come by tonight. I can look at it. I'm like, I'm out of town. 
Anyway, I work away. He, he gets in. He comes and looks at it Thursday night. He's like, I think I can have him here tomorrow at 1030. I'm like, amazing. My timeline of getting it done Monday or Tuesday is happening so much faster. I could possibly have it done on Friday. Super. I come home to it. It'd be amazing. So that happens. I, but I don't hear anything from him until, actually, I don't hear anything from him at all. So I don't know if the guy showed up. I don't know if it's done. I don't know if it's good work or bad work. I don't know. I'm not there. Well, I, I text him at the end of Friday and said, hey, man, just want to check in. Did he show up? How's it looking? How's it going? How much do I owe him? All that stuff. And he just texted me back and he said, it's taken care of. And I said, sweet. Like, work's done. Like, great. Like, great. Like, we get to come home. Like, how much do I owe him? Where do I need to meet him? Well, I'll write a check. Who's, what's his name? I don't know this guy's name. And he goes, like I said, it's taken care of. And I just about started crying. I was like, man, that's amazing. Like, this guy, this friend of mine, like, just helped facilitate finding me a guy. And he just, he just pays for it. It's taken care of. And so much of what we're, we're talking about is us doing, right? It's 20% mental, but there's a lot of, like, effort and discipline and diligence that comes with that. Um, but I want to remind us of what it all comes down to and what our emotional state and our stress and our shame really comes down to is that Jesus took care of it. And if you don't receive anything else of what I'm saying today, and if you don't know how to sort through all this number stuff and saving stuff, and you're distressed about it, I want you to hear this text message that came to me. It said, like I said, it's taken care of. That God loves you, and he's made a way far before you ever even thought of him, he's made a way. And that we can turn our hearts to him. We can turn our attention to him. And he brings that freedom. And it's daily walking that freedom out. So I want to ask you to stand with me today. And these guys are going to lead us in worship. And I'm going to invite us to the table this morning. And we can leave this about numbers. And we can leave this about savings and paying off bills if we want. But I I believe this is so much deeper. I, I believe there's people in the house that have real deep anxiety or depression or stress or shame about how much money they owe. And I believe that Jesus wants to lift that today with just a, just a simple message that says it's taken care of. It's taken care of. So I want to ask you to bow your heads. Uh, and when I say amen, I invite you to come to the table. If you've never said yes to Jesus, I pray that you understand that his desire for you is freedom. And that you can come to the table declaring not that you've been perfect, but that you can receive his perfection today. Repent of your sins and walk new in new life today. So let's pray together. God, we thank you. We thank you for your scriptures, God, that are life-giving to us. And things sometimes like even like money and debt that we just kind of have just kind of fallen into this societal kind of flow of the river. Um, things like that, God. There's deep spiritual meaning to our life here. And that you are drawing us into a life of freedom and wholeness. God, I pray that today we'd just find healing. Um, God, we'd find healing deeply. For those that are battling shame today, you'd set us free. For those that are stressed, God, pulling their hair out, with how they're going to make ends meet, God, we'd find peace today.
God, and for the person that, that, that is overwhelmed by the thought of how to get all this done, I pray they'd hear the simple text message it's taken care of. God, today we come humbly knowing that you love us, you've called us higher, called us deeper. We love you, we thank you for your amazing grace today. 